thus far on our parade of Christmas homes, we have visited Mark, Matthew, and Luke. Mark calls us to repent and believe. Matthew exhorts us to invite all people to meet the Christ child. And Luke wants us to live in the assurance of experiential faith. This week, we light the candle of peace. We will visit the home of John. John tells us of the wonderful gift of peace of God that Jesus offers us. Jesus clearly communicated this to his disciples in John 14. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He continues that theme in chapter 16. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. John does take a rather unique approach from the other gospel writers as he tells the incarnation story. And that uniqueness is reflected in his house. It has modern architecture with many lights. John's account begins with the same words as the opening of Genesis, in the beginning. This is not a coincidence nor an accident, but in an intentional declaration that the good news about Jesus starts at the beginning of time. John transports us back through time and space to the place where mankind began. In the beginning, time began, mankind began, and God's plan for redemptive peace began a journey to planet Earth. In Genesis, God's first words were, let there be light. John tells us that in Jesus, the word, we find the light that shines in the darkness, the light that cannot be overcome, and the light that brings life to all mankind. This light lived among us so that we might behold the glory of God. Jesus came as the light of the world and offers us supernatural peace. Shepherds guard 
and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him, Lord, the babe, the son of Mary. So bring him incense, gold and myrrh, compassant king to own him, the king of kings, salvation brings, let loving hearts enthrone. who we worship and celebrate today. Well, this week, this is week four in our parade of homes, and it focuses on peace at the house of John. And as has already been reviewed, we have Mark, austere, straight to the point. John the Baptist came, repent and believe. And then we have Matthew, who wants everyone to celebrate that experience with Christ. And uh, Luke, who um, is all about experiential faith, going to the manger and experience the Christ child, and then this house, which was a little more modern architecture and light, because John takes us to a whole different place. John has unique opening to his gospel. It's the last of the gospels to be written historically, and his opening does not seem to really fit with any of the other gospels. In the beginning was the word, and the first 18 verses are all about the word, and you have to wonder why he uses that introduction and never returns to it by the end of the book. Why would he do that? Well, if you do a little research as what was happening in the time that John was living, the word logos that we translate word was being used in a variety of different ways. It was used in Greek rhetoric for those who were public speakers. And they would suggest that when you were to speak publicly, you needed to evaluate the logos, which was the intellectual content, the uh, ethos, which was the ethical content, and the pathos, which was your passion. When I teach on preaching, I add to a fourth one to that. You need to evaluate the pneumos, the working of the Holy Spirit in the proclamation of the word of God. But even before that, about 500 years before Christ, 
philosophers began to um, try to come up with a way to describe the order in the universe. And what I find amazing is how the mind of man will go to such extreme lengths to come up with an answer different than the answer that God gives. Oh, we can't just believe what the Bible says. We can't go along with that. We've got to come up with a solution. And, and I, I don't know whether you'll agree with me or not, but it's historically defendable that the whole theory of evolution was to come up with another way to describe the beginning of the world that doesn't include the hand of God. It was not science-driven. It was an alternative-driven um, theory that took root. And the same was true with this word logos. It was used by philosophers to describe the divine reason that orders the universe. In other words, they looked at the universe and they saw order and thought there's got to be some intellectual, intelligent design behind it all. And 500 years before Christ, as it continued up till the time of John, Logos was this impersonal mind or thinking or intellect that ordered the universe. It pervaded the thinking of many in John's day. John is doing the same thing here that Paul did on Mars Hill. If you remember when he was traveling in Athens, came to Mars Hill, the place where they gathered together to hear or tell some new thing. As he's there, he says to them, I perceive in all things you're very religious. They had altars and idols to gods of all sorts. They didn't want to miss any. If you had a god, they'd build an altar. But they had one that was titled the unknown god. And Paul says, this unknown God that you don't know, I know. And I'm here to tell you who he is. And he's the God above all gods. He's the only God that really matters. He's the great creator of the universe. And I want you to know that's the God you should worship. And John is really doing the same thing. You talk about this divine intellect or this divine order or this source. And I'm here to tell you that in the beginning was the Logos. Hallelujah. In the beginning was the Logos. And the word was with God. And the word was God. All things were made by him and there wasn't anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shined in darkness and the darkness could not overcome it. It is the Logos, the word that we celebrate this morning. And John is saying, I'm not going to take you to Bethlehem and shepherds. I'm not going to take, and wise men, I'm not going to take you to shepherds and angels. I want you to go where this really started and now you need some fancy see uh, Twilight Zone uh, music or something as he goes back through time and space to say this story began not in time in Bethlehem but it began in the beginning with God and this isn't just a child that was born this was a son that was given that's connected with all the authority and power and majesty of God himself. He is the word, the word of God. Now, John does make his purpose very, very clear. In John chapter 20, verse 29, Jesus told the disciples, specifically Thomas, because you have seen me and have believed, 
Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Then John says, Jesus did many other miracles in the signs of the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written. These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. John calls us to understand that the word, the Logos, is God, and only in him will you find light. And so I'm saying to you this morning, for the church of Jesus Christ during Advent, it's time to turn on the lights. <laughs> Come on, somebody help me this morning. It's time to turn on the lights. I mean, I don't know. You may get, um, oh, you may get annoyed at this, and you can live annoyed if you want, or you can live happy. I really don't care if you don't put out any Christmas decorations. It doesn't matter if you put out Christmas lights and a manger scene. It doesn't matter if you post a manger scene on Facebook. What matters is, is Jesus alive in your heart? Hold up your hand if you understand. Okay, everybody get that? You can go to heaven without Christmas decorations. And without Christmas lights. In fact, some of you would be more ready for heaven and not have to deal with your flesh without Christmas lights. When they don't turn on, hello? But doesn't it, when you drive down a street, now be honest, and you see a house that's completely dark and one that's completely lit up, and I'm not talking about just with reindeer and Santa, but with a manger scene and lights and celebration, doesn't that communicate something different where the lights are on than where the lights are off? Come on, doesn't it? I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it says something different to your neighbors. And it's time for us to turn on the lights. I know it's trite. It's been said over and over again and probably don't want to hear it again. But the truth is Jesus is the reason for the season. It's not about a sleigh and reindeer. It's about a manger and a baby that came to bring new life to the world that began in eternity past, not in eternity time. Now, <laughs> time to turn on the lights. Verses one to three of chapter one. The word, the word, that's who we're talking about, the logos, the creator of all things, the one who holds all things together by the word of his power. Who is this? In the beginning, the word was in the beginning. And I want you to watch this. It's the same verbiage, though translated into Greek. If you take the Greek translation and the Hebrew words, the in the beginning are the same words. That's not an accident. It wasn't that he just stumbled onto that. John is saying every Jew would know that the Bible begins in Genesis with in the beginning God. And John said, I want you to know, in the beginning was the Word. <laughs> and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He takes us to that place to say to Jew and to Gentile that this Logos, this divine power is not impersonal. It's found in Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us this about the Genesis account about creation. And I'm not going to digress too far. But in Hebrews chapter 11, I'm becoming more and more convinced of this. In Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. 
This is what the ancients were commended for. So that's how this great chapter begins. And the first driver of chapter 11 is, by faith we understand that the universe was formed by God's command so that what is not seen or so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. He's saying that your, listen, your, the strength of your faith and the power of your faith rests upon how you believe this world came into existence. If you don't believe that the hand of God formed this world, that some kind of deistic approach, God stepped back and put order into place and just let it happen, or you've embraced an atheistic evolutionary mindset, I'm telling you that your faith will struggle. Because for me, the beginning of the world, the beginning of time, the beginning of mankind wasn't when some cell crawled out of some slime and began to develop into some kind of animal. It's when God made man out of the dust of the earth and he breathed the breath of life in him and he said, let us make man in our own image. And Hebrews 11 says that your faith has to rest on God created this world. Paul reinforces that when he says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. I've just discovered there's a new word in sociology right now, and I'm not even sure I can say it right, but there's the word evangelical. Those of us who believe that you have a born, need to have a born-again relationship with Jesus Christ and then there's exangelical, those who were once evangelical and turned away, and researching that group that have been deconverted. They proudly talk about being deconverted, you know, in almost every case. The crack in their faith happened with what they believed about creation. Come on, I'm talking to you right now. John says, I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss this. Your journey doesn't start in Bethlehem. It begins in Genesis chapter one. The incarnation begins in eternity past. And how can you believe that God became man, was born in Bethlehem, if you can't believe that he created the world? I don't know how you believe that. John tells us that the incarnation began before time began. That the world was without form and void in the beginning and God spoke and said, let there be light. And Jesus came into a world that spiritually was without form or, and void. The Jewish religion of that day, the faith that God had established that all nations would be blessed, had lost its way, its structure, its form. It had become something that God never intended and was living in darkness. And what does Genesis tell us that God said when it came to man? He didn't say, let me make man. He said, let us. Hebrew, plural, unity. It's a unique word, one in a plurality. Let us make man. Who's us? The angels? They didn't make you. You know who was there in that moment? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit were there when mankind was created. He was the word in the beginning. 
I said he was the word. Now I'm going to tell you something else about this word. It shined in darkness, and the darkness could not overpower it. The word comprehend that's translated into English is a Greek word that can mean it could not understand it, it could not conquer it, it could not seize it, it could not own it, it could not shut it down, and I've got good news for you. There was a light that shined, not just in Bethlehem, but the light began to shine in the book of Genesis. And when mankind accepted the darkness that the devil tempted him with, God began a plan to bring light back to mankind and peace with God and let it try all that it will. Let the world lie. Let commentators make fun. Let Herod kill babies. Let's assassinate all the Jews with a Holocaust. Do whatever you want to devil but the light cannot be conquered it cannot be overcome that light that shone in Genesis is still shining today and it will continue to shine throughout all eternity because in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and all things and the word was God No, you should be more solemn during Advent. Are you kidding me? And here's what I think is phenomenal. Do you think that God knows everything? Santa doesn't know whether you've been naughty or nice. Your spouse does, but Santa doesn't. <laughs> But there isn't anything that God doesn't see. There isn't anything he doesn't see. So do you know what happened in that moment when God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit were gathered at creation and they formed man to be the beginning of a created being that would worship him not because they were forced to, but would worship him because they chose to, would replace that void in heaven that was created when devil and his angels were kicked out of heaven. He knew in that moment that mankind would betray him. He knew in that moment that there'd have to be a redemptive plan for his creation. Jesus, the son of God, knew in that moment what it would cost him. When they breathed life into Adam, Adam, Jesus knew that he would have to put on the robes of human flesh, that he would have to become just like this creation and be born in a manger completely helpless and dependent on mankind to care for him, that they would mock him and scoff him and spit on him, nail him to a rugged cross and leave him there to die. He knew that then because he was the word in the beginning. When he created you, he paid the price for you. He created the price for you. Now there's a song. Pastor Nathan, if you'd come, I'm not done. Oh no, I'm going to preach some more. But this song exploded on the inside of me. We sing it a lot here, have over time. But when I was reading John chapter 1 and I started... Think about the words of this song. I've never talked to the songwriter, but I'm telling you that John chapter 1 and the incarnation story was the inspiration for this song. He was the word in the beginning. Death could not conquer him. 
him. Death could not hold him. Why? Because he, come on, is there anyone in the house? Come on. He was the word in the beginning. I want you to stand your feet. And let's interrupt the message. Is that all right with you? I said it was all right, so it's okay with me. And let's just worship. Don't just sing this like another Christmas song. I want you to think about that moment when mankind was created and he paid the price for your redemption and was willing to come to Bethlehem. He was the word in the beginning and unconquerable today. Worship him and sing this song with all of your heart. You were the word at the beginning. God, the Lord most high. Your hidden glory in creation. Now revealed in you our Christ. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is, nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. Oh, my sin was great, your love was greater. What could separate us now? Sing, what a wonderful name. Come on, church, lift your voice. What a wonderful Jesus Christ, my oh, what a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus.
be seated. That's the song that John wrote. What a powerful name it is. When you look at the manger from now on, I don't want you to see a cute little baby in swaddling clothes. I want you to see the power of God wrapped up in a little baby boy that would change the nations of the world and give us hope for tomorrow. Amen. If you love Jesus, let me hear your hands this morning. What a powerful name it is. He was the word in the beginning. And the word, this word is the light of the world. In him was life. In Satan there is death. He is the only source of eternal life. The only way that you can have eternal life is in relationship with Jesus Christ. Hello? Now, um, this is a little bit of therapy time for me, but I want to clarify something. I've had a couple of emails this week, people that don't agree with me on some things. And let me just ask you, online, here, wherever, don't hide behind email to talk with me. Come talk to me face to face. Delete your email or have the courage to come see me. Come on. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying, man, if you, anybody can talk tough from the distance. Come on. And one of the uh, emails chastised me for using the sinner's prayer. Saying people can't just pray a prayer and get saved. There has to be revelation. I just wonder how many of you have heard me say that the sinner's prayer doesn't save anybody. How many of you heard me say that? How many of you have heard me say that it's simply a way of expressing your desire to enter into relationship with Jesus Christ? How many of you heard me say that if you pray that prayer, you have to admit that you're a sinner? Hold up your hand. How many have heard me say that once you admit you're a sinner, you've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead? How many have heard me say that? And how many have heard me say you've got to confess Christ as Lord? All right, so don't pot shot me over that because we've had 30 people who have made commitments to Christ during these weeks of Advent, and I'll stand on that ground till my dying day and celebrate that Jesus is changing lives. That is also why we say at the end of the service, if you prayed that prayer, text the word GROW to 77411 because we want to walk with you in a journey. How many have heard me say that? I'm telling you, it's a starting place for a journey because in him was life. When the disciples were called into question for what they preached about Jesus and told that they couldn't ever preach him ever again, Peter said, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled and ordinary. They were astonished and took note with them that they had been with Jesus because there is power in that name. The word is the light of the world and the devil will work overtime to try to take away from you that opportunity and you can argue with me. It happens online. I've entered into some of those debates and say, well, the sinner's prayer doesn't work. My sister called me once, texted me and said, can you send me the sinner's prayer? I said, no, but I can lead you to Jesus. And you can tell me that praying that prayer doesn't work. I'm going to tell you that not praying really doesn't work. You say, you feel a little punchy. You got it. Because I'm not letting anything get in the way of talking to an unsafe person and starting them on a journey toward faith in Jesus Christ. Don't get in my way. 
don't get in my way. Because that's the only way you're making it to heaven. It's the only way that you can get there. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The world cannot help but live in darkness. There's only one source of true light, and that light shines on every man or woman born in the world. I don't have time to unpack this, but people will say to me, well, what about those who have never heard? John said this light shines on every man and woman, boy and girl, on planet Earth. Well, what about those who have never heard? I'm not going to believe you. I'm going to believe the Bible. This light shines on everyone born in the world. How does that happen? Because his name, hello, his name is written in creation. You can't look at the sunrise or the sunset, the beautiful landscapes of our planet, and not believe that there is an intelligent design that philosophers called the Logos, that we call Jesus, that created this world. It's written in creation, and it's written in your conscience. Every man, woman, boy, and girl on planet Earth has a God-shaped void in them that can be filled with anything except God himself. He's written his name in creation. He's written his name on your heart and he has revealed himself through the person of Jesus Christ and that light shines on every man because Jesus wants you to know when you see the snow fly, when you see the sun rise, when you see the glory of creation and you feel that emptiness inside, that there is life and that life is the light of men and it comes through the word of God. The darkness cannot overcome the light. It can't understand it and it can't lay hold of it. Overpowered. Go ahead, Herod. Go ahead, enemies of Christ. But the church and the light of God will triumph. Don't mistake the power of light by looking at a baby in a manger. <laughs> the power of God wasn't limited to a human form. The human form was the entrance for the power of God. Let me tell you how that light works. You can't overcome it. Now, I am not suggesting at all. Please, believe me. People help me with this all the time. I don't believe I'm the best preacher on the planet. I don't believe that my words are more significant than anyone else's. But here's what I do believe. When the word is proclaimed, that light doesn't stop. I got a call from a pastor in New Jersey this week. Said, I've got to talk to you. I was pastoring. He has roots in Iowa. I know his family. Said I was I pastored for seven years and then had to leave the church. Nothing we had done, but there was some uprising and some rebellion and bitterness. And uh, we've been hurting now for about 18 months. Haven't found anywhere to go to church that's feeding us. That doesn't mean they couldn't find one. They just hadn't. They'd been online licking their wounds. And he said about six weeks ago, <laughs> about six weeks ago, we decided let's visit Berean Church. So they visited us online. And while you and I were in here six weeks ago worshiping and loving God, God took that light and sent it to a ministry family in New Jersey and said, God has changed our household. God has changed our life. He's refreshed us and we're ready to go again. I'm telling you that the light that shines here is also going out around the world. I've talked to missionaries in other parts of the planet who have said in our shutdown and in our quarantine, Berean Church was 
was a lifesaver to us, not because we're special, not because we're doing it best, not because we have the greatest tools, but because we believe every Sunday that preaching is experiential, that worship is experiential, that we want to experience the power of God. And when that light is released, it cannot be stopped. The darkness cannot overpower it. I had a pastor call from another denomination and said, Pastor, I just got to talk to you. I said, sure. He said, five or six years ago, we were in a low place. We took some time off pastoring in another denomination and said, we came to Berean during Advent and you're preaching about Herod. And you said, sometimes Herod has to die before you can get back to the place God wants you to be. Sometimes Herod's gotta die. And then you said that if you thought Herod was a person, then you've got the problem. It's a stronghold in your life. And he said, I just want you to know I've never forgotten that message. I've, lis- I've thought about that. I've listened to it again over the years. And this year in 2022, we're gonna begin our church calendar with Herod's gotta die. The strongholds have to come down. Sin has gotta be defeated. There's gonna be victory in the house. Is that because I'm such a profound preacher? Oh, listen, no, I know full well, it's not my profundity or my intellectual ability or my oratorical skills. I don't believe that at all, but I do believe in the word that was in the beginning that shines in darkness and the darkness can't stop it when that word gets proclaimed when you preach to your family when you preach to your neighbors it goes on it may be five years later it may be 10 years later but the devil and all of his power can't stop darkness let me tell you something i've never seen i come in here sometimes at night and this is a spooky place when you're the only one in the building churches are spooky places And when I walk in here, the first thing I reach for is a light switch. And so I walked in last night and I pushed the button to turn the lights on. And it was the strangest thing. There was a battle between light and darkness. The lights shined about halfway down and the darkness pushed it back. And the light shined a little ways and the darkness pushed it back. And the light shined a little ways and the darkness pushed it back. And I thought, oh, I hope light wins. I hope light wins. If you believe that, I have a bridge in San Francisco I'd love to sell you. (laughs) Because light, I'm about to jump into that front row. Light never fights with darkness. When the light comes on, the darkness runs. It flees. It can't exist. It can't stay. Because when the light shines in darkness... The darkness can't understand it or overpower. Child of God, believe me. When you speak the word of God into this world of darkness, the light shines because it was in the beginning. Third, this word, this light, this life, this peace was made flesh. Oh, we, that song says he didn't want heaven without us. That doesn't mean he didn't want heaven. It meant he didn't want it without you. Have you ever felt that strongly about someone that I I don't want to go to heaven without you? I don't want you to be left out of God's provision. 
John takes us back to the eternal word, the place that he wants us to focus on in the beginning. And he said, this light shined in darkness. And then he tells us in verse 14, and this word, he's saying, this word that you don't understand, this intellectual idea or reason or consciousness that holds this planet together that you see as an impersonal force. Let me tell you what, God didn't want you to not understand. So the word, the logos, the mind and power and strength of God was made flesh. He became a man. He put on robes of humanity and lived among us. The word uh, dwelt means to tent or encamp. And here's how Revelation chapter 21 verse 3 reads. It's the same word as dwelt among us. Do you know why we call the Old Testament tabernacle a tabernacle? Not because it was a spiritual word, but because the word means to dwell with or among, to spend time with. And I read in Revelation chapter 21, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, <laughs> behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. There's a day coming that when he tabernacled in Bethlehem and put on human flesh and tented with us, there's a day coming when he will come back and set up his kingdom and only those who love him and serve him and are washed in the blood of the lamb will enter into that relationship because his desire is to be with you, to dwell with you, to tabernacle with you, for you to carry his name, for you to be known as his child and for him to be known as your. God. Did that happen? Oh, it did. He came to display the glory of God. I read about Jesus dying on the cross. And do you remember that? How many remember that story that he died on the cross? Hold up your neighbor's hand. We, we, all, we all know that story. And the centurions weren't spiritual people. They beat him. They mocked him. They're the ones that spit on him. Come on, come with me. They ridiculed him. They mocked him. They put over his head, king of the Jews. There was nothing about them that was respectful. But when the centurion and those that were with him were guarding Jesus on the cross and they saw the earthquake and all that happened they were terrified and exclaimed, surely, surely he was the son of God. Even the ungodly recognize the appearance of glory. This was the son of God. So my question for you this morning, yes, listen to John the Baptist, repent. The kingdom is near. Believe the good news. Matthew, come on in the house. Those of you that have been outcasts, that have not been granted audience with the king, I've got a dinner prepared. I want you to meet Jesus, and we're going to celebrate what he does. Luke says, come with me to the manger and see the baby and kneel there and celebrate. And John says, don't forget that this story didn't start with Matthew. It didn't start with Mark and it didn't start with Luke and it didn't start with John. It started in the beginning.
it started in the beginning when he made a plan for you to come to faith. The light shines in darkness and the darkness could not overpower it. Pastor Nathan, if you'd come. I want every head bowed, every eye closed for a moment. And I want you to understand what I'm gonna ask you to do right now is simply acknowledge your need to begin a journey of faith. You are not walking in relationship with Jesus Christ and you wanna begin that journey today. You wanna begin that walk today. You're not in right standing with him. You need to repent. You need to acknowledge you're a sinner, believe that he died and rose from the dead and confess him as Lord. And if that's where you are this morning, I wanna walk with you on that journey. Would you just lift up your hand and say, Pastor Gary, I wanna begin that journey today. Lift up your hand. I wanna begin that journey today. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Anyone else? Lift up your hand. I wanna begin that journey today. I wanna begin that walk with him. Yes, thank you. Anyone else this morning? I wanna begin that journey. I want to begin that journey. I want to begin that walk with him. I want everyone in the house, those online, to pray it as well. And again, it's not the magic of the prayer. It's not a formula. It's simply a way of expressing to God that you want to begin a journey with him. Here's the elements of that. Pray it with me out loud as your confession of faith and the encouragement of those who have raised their hand. Dear Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. I believe that you died on the cross so that my sins could be forgiven. I believe that you rose from the dead so that I could walk in newness of life. I ask you to forgive my sins and to live in my life and to make me new. And I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate that together this morning. Whether you raise your hand or not, if you prayed that prayer, if you wanna begin that journey, we wanna walk with you. And if you'll text the word GROW to 77411, we'll reach out to you and help you with your next steps. GROW to 77411. You can also write it on one of the blue cards and leave it in the offering box at the back with your contact information and we'll reach out to you as well. Because what good have we done? if we build a ginger house, bread house, but nobody's going to heaven. It's all about Jesus and right relationship with him because he was the word in the beginning. Can we just sing that again? I just feel like I want to sing that again. I know you have something else, but it just got in my spirit. I've been singing that for about three days. I want us to sing it again. I want us to celebrate the word. Stand with me. And let's close our last Advent service. Just remind you, we are having Christmas Eve services on Christmas Eve. We do that on Christmas Eve every year. Uh, so come and join us for that. But right now, could we move away from the, the pictures of the Bethlehem scene and go back to the picture of the Genesis account? He was the word in the beginning. Let's celebrate that together. You were the word at the beginning. You singing. One with God. Your hidden glory. Now revealed in you are Christ. What a beautiful name. 
name of Jesus Christ my King What a beautiful name it is Nothing compares to this What a beautiful name it is The name of Jesus You didn't want Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, your love was greater. What could separate us now? What a wonderful name. What a wonderful name it is. Wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. Hallelujah. activities here on Wednesday night because we are doing a Christmas Eve service on Friday night. We'll have uh, first service will be at four o'clock, second service 
at uh, 5.15, and you can join us for either one of those. We're going to celebrate God's goodness. I want you to come out and bring all of this together with going to Grandpa's house on Christmas Eve. You, you'll want to be a part of that great celebration together. Thank you for your financial giving, especially toward the end of this year. We need your help. It helps us keep moving forward with what God's called us to do. And we're going to change the world around us for Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 God bless you. Be an encouragement to someone today.